forgot the saber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a liquid lunch party. From opening a bottle of champagne, it almost looked like, like we were in a rap video or something. That was cool. You know, wow. You didn't even you didn't even lose that much. Uh, we are hanging out with our friends from Baker Labs, Baker Wine and Grape Analysis. That's your technical name, right? That's our technical name. Well, yeah. Do people just call you Baker Labs? Uh, or Brenda's Place. Brenda's Place, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got the one and only Dr. Brenda Baker, founder. We also have Heather Michaelonis, who is a longtime operations manager, who soon is going to be transitioning and taking over for uh, Dr. Brenda Baker. We'll talk about that. But really, um, this is kind of one of those, you know, you guys are one of those businesses that, you know, we might not talk to all the time and it might not be, you know, the, the, the sexiest of industries, but what you do is so important and it's really, really fascinating. Once you kind of rip down those curtains and let folks like Jeremy and I in, it is a fascinating uh, bit of work you guys are doing. Well, I really do think it is sexy. I, I take offense at that, but yeah, maybe that poor wording. That's my fault. <laughs> How does it get sexy? How do we talk about Baker Labs after dark? Beaker, yeah, beakers and graduated cylinders. Oh, so much si- science is sexy. I've always thought it for fun. sure. Yeah. Oh, I love the bubbles. Yeah. So you, what you guys are doing for not only wineries, but I mean, folks who make. Shoot beer, olive oil, spirits. I mean, you guys are a laboratory that will test any and all of the features and quotients that they have to manage in producing their stuff. Well, especially for the commercial wineries. You know, if you're going to have something consistent from year to year, you have to test to make sure that the blends are correct. So, um, yeah, we do a lot of things that people don't think about all the testing that goes in and everything that they consume. And Every pretty much any kind of food or beverage has been tested the heck out of it. Sure. So I mean, I know when we go to a lot of wineries, especially the larger ones, they have a lab on site and they're and they're doing things in their lab. So how do you guys how do you guys kind of take it to the next level? So we um, it every winery is different, just like every winemaker has their own way of how they're going to make wine, and it's the best way for them. So same thing with the testing. Some wineries have their own lab that and they do everything in house. Some wineries have. A partial lab and they do some things there and then they bring other things to us and then other la- other wineries have no lab at all and um, so we do all their testing but each winery and winemaker has a different set of um, analysis that they want done so sure, some, sure. some will test things I more you often have a FOSS. you have FOSS? yes <laughs> Yeah, everybody toys, can have, huh? Not everybody can afford not a, FOSS. No, and there's different levels of FOSS as well, different um, types of instruments that they produce so or manufacture. Now, some clients may want to know just kind of the simple, like, what are the, the, the breaks of this or that? And mm-hmm. some folks are probably getting into, like, phenolics and, and crazy, just really in-depth with their numbers, huh? Yes, yes. They have all different clients kind of in all different spaces and want different things, maybe. Yes, Correct. Yeah. Some people want to look at um, like one of our one of our packs that we do is a wine pack, which has alcohol, pH, TA, which is titratable acidity, VA, which is volatile acidity, um, uh, malic, lactic, um, glucose, fructose and density and residual sugar. And some for some people, they want to get a wine pack on every single one of their wines, you know, after their after the wine is through complete fermentation. And at, well, the things that you just noted, those are kind of the, the staples, right? Those yes. are all pretty much the things. If you're going to make wine, you need to know those yes. numbers. All yes. right, we need to know your phone number because I yeah. don't even know what you said. <laughs> I've heard those things before, yeah. but I'm thinking the people that, you know, the weekend warriors that go out and do tasting wine and they're just like blown away right now. They're still yeah. trying to figure out how they get the cherry in the wine. Yeah. So 
Um, boy, that's fascinating, though. This is really good. This is so balanced, like perfect pH levels for sure, Dr. Ray. I did not test this one. This is a, <laughs> I believe from France. So some lab Should in France. Should we be calling you Brenda or Dr. You Baker? You can call me Brenda. I'm fine. Okay, you seem very casual. I'm very casual. <laughs> is it... Um, have you ever like just tested wines just to know? I mean, I imagine you have the ability to, you know, when folks go mm-hmm. side by side or let's say a wine brand will, I mean, I know wine brands who will bring in other, you know, let's say they're going to put out a cab for 85 bucks. They're going to bring in some cabs that cost 60, some that cost 120 and they're going to test them and see, do you ever go side by side with some brands and really see what they're made of? Well, of course we do. We go out, we drink a nice bottle of wine at dinner and we always save a little bit. Not always, but if we really like it, sometimes we save it to run it to see what you it is. You don't really have is. a travel testing kit that you keep no. in your purse? <laughs> that is so funny. I, I mean, love a, lot, it. a lot of our customers, that's how they do a lot of reverse engineering on the wines that they're trying to target. And so they check in. So see they'll them. take competitors' wines and send them to you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty brilliant. Have you ever got business that way? Like you had a bottle of wine at dinner and then you were like, ooh, this seems a lot. Maybe we should call these guys. Oh, no, I haven't no. done that. But we've been to dinner, and we've seen a lot of customers out. That's like the same as ambulance chasing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, have you been able to, um, kind of when you, a client will give you, let's say they give you a Rombauer, and they want, they want to know what it is. And do you, do you log these things so you can go into your, like, almost like you create like a little research you know, library there? We don't do that. I think that's a that's a whole. It is a research project. That's mm-hmm. something Cal Poly can do. Yeah. But um, that's beyond our capabilities as far as doing. Th- but there are companies out there that have already done that. Yeah. And so they've created a whole business out of hitting that matrix of a, p- a particular wine. Yeah, that's really interesting. It is. It's fascinating. So, are you guys located in Paso? Yes. Okay. And Heather, you've worked with Brenda. It says here for fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So you've mm-hmm. you've done. I mean, what? Right out of college. Uh, no, um, not right out of college. Right out of but, junior um, high school. You look, yeah. really, <laughs> young. <laughs> you look really young. I was, <laughs> actually, no, you know, was, all uh, this wine drinking keeps us very young. It's a, yeah, that's yeah. And I rub a little on my face to keep the, right, keep the yeah. wrinkles away. <laughs> Antioxidants. Um, yeah. So sure. no, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm full disclosure. I'm 45. I've been there since I was 30. So, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. And it's been fun ever Ever since. What so. kind of like training do we need to get into this field? <clears throat> Obviously, on the job, like what you've been doing for 15 years. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if, if people are really interested in science and they would like to work with wine instead of, like I don't know, for chemistry or. Oh, yeah. So I was actually a chemistry professor at Cal Poly before I started this. So I would recommend a lot of chemistry background. Um, I don't know anything else that would really work. Biology would be good also. So we've had a few interns that come in with some chemistry background and it. But honestly, for what we're doing as a commercial lab, on-the-job training is is really the only way to so do it. So you're a chemistry professor at Cal Poly, and how many years ago is this where you kind of look at the scene? It is really, really growing. A lot of small-lot wineries who might not have an enology department or their own lab, uh, certainly maybe be able to hire a full-time enologist. When do you see this as a as a market with a big opening ready for you to get in there? So I think I can tell this story now. It's been enough years. Yeah. <laughs> so when I first moved out here and was teaching full-time, I we moved next to Meridian Vineyards at the time. And at the summer, I was bored, and I literally walked across the field and knocked at the door and asked for a, a job. So they put me in the lab for 8 bucks an hour, and that was my job for the next four years. So as my friends, I got to know lots, lots of friends in Paso, and as they found out that I was working in a wine lab, um, they kept sneaking me samples to take to Meridian to run them because there was no commercial lab at the time. And so the idea, actually, Stefan Oseo, 
from La Venture said, you should just start a lab. And um, he gave me the idea to do it. So That is something. No way. And off we ran. I did a little market research trying to come up with a good name. Um, I don't know if you remember Charlie Puello from Puello Vineyards uh-huh. back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was told him I was looking at probably doing something called Grape Expectations. There you go. Terrible, terrible <laughs> name. Yeah. And he said, use your name and tell them what you're going to do. And that's why I came up with this mouthful of Baker Wine and Grape Yeah, analysis. because, you know, people want to, I mean, when you think about science and lab work, and yeah, that's a little cheesy, isn't it, Grape? Expected. We're not, yeah, <laughs> very like a, cheesy. Sounds like a podcast about wine. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Like, well, like, what's what's his name? Well, what's his name has one? Grape uh, Encounters. Oh, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. David Wilson. Uh, all right, so we're here with Dr. Brenda Baker. We've also got uh, Michelle. Say her last name because I... Uh, Michael Onis. Michael Onis. Michael Onis. Okay. I was yeah. going to say Michael Onis, like you were Greek. What is what is Michael Onis? It's uh, Lithuanian. Oh, okay. See, I yeah. don't know any Lithuanians uh, until now. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Heather. I'm actually not. It's my husband. So. Oh, your husband. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. right? Um, so she's taking over uh, the labs after being there for 15 years. Um, it sounds like you guys have a great client base. I mean, are you still, I, I'm, you're probably always looking for new clients. Well, we've pretty much saturated the market in Paso. I think we can say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I love people. I've always been a people person, and I feel like everybody has a story. You've probably encountered this yourself in your line of work. So oh, um, sure. yeah. yeah, so I really enjoy my customers, and I think that's come through in our customer service. We try and do our very very best for all of our customers. How many of you are there? I mean, at the office? Oh, so there are three other techs in here. Well, not techs; they're winemakers, mm-hmm. Heather, chemists, and stuff. So there's five. Five total of us run that run the lab. Cool. Have you guys ever been asked to uh, put something strange to the lab? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like what? what? Like what? We were talking about that on the way down here of uh, the the variety of things that we've tested, which it goes from, I mean, aside from wine and olive oil and spirits and whatnot, but we've also tested um, cocoa butter. Um, we've tested strawberries. We've tested potatoes. People are looking for the sugar that's in their potatoes that they're going to use for the potato chips. Um, and uh, we used we did uh, calcium carbonate for a oh, while yeah. for a local lime quarry that was uh, up in uh, up by Adelaide. Okay, <laughs> so we're just testing the rocks. Uh, we were testing rocks, crushed yeah. rocks. Yeah, yeah. It was well, what are you fun. doing to them? What are you, I mean, you're putting they a- need to know they were using the calcium, the crushed ore to make windows, and it had to have a high level of calcium carbonate to make excellent windows. Yeah. Okay. Who Cause, knew? Because that's what we have a ton of up there. That's yeah. Wow. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, but that was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. So you start this, and are you like? And remind me the year that we're starting this. I started in 2002. So okay. this will be my 20th harvest. So things were very, very different in the wine scene then. I know. I imagine, you know, to get the equipment, how did you invest um, just in the capital to just to get all the equipment just to have your own lab? And where did you start it? Well, it takes a village mm-hmm. <laughs> and a father-in-law who gives me a down payment. God bless. <laughs> Thank you, father-in-law. <laughs> but um, so I had to come up with a business plan and uh, small world. Heather's father-in-law, Joe Michelonis, was the one who helped me with my business plan. And I convinced Cindy Smith at Mission Community Bank at the time to give me an SBA loan. So that's where I got the money. And, you know, I I started small on the equipment. I got exactly what I needed to do at the time. And over the years, we've just upgraded our equipment and gotten better and better and more automated and more efficient. And Heather came on board and networked us all together. So we're even more efficient. Yeah. 
I'm just real curious on what the lab, like the size of the lab. Like we walk into different wineries and we'll see a counter and then to a full on <laughs> lab with an island and, you know, there's everything's all kind of separated out. Like what kind of space do you guys have to work with? I think the, the lab floor itself is about 2000 square foot mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And it's very open. You're welcome to come up and visit. It's very pretty. Yeah, it sounds I'll, fun. I'll let you feel my wall. Yeah, well, you have like a very textured wall. I have a very nice wall. Huh. I can't wait. <laughs> have I'm you felt our walls? We have very nice walls. Yeah, and mine, mine are better. <laughs> yeah, ours are carpet for sound purposes. It's Who pretty fun. to vacuum those? Uh, <laughs> we have professional. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we won't get into that. There's been a lot of wine and other things. Still. If you look, don't look at the floor. We've had zoo animals in here. Uh, a lot of weird stuff happens on this show. Uh, we're hanging out with the folks from um, Baker Labs. So, um, you guys are doing wine, you're doing, uh, you're doing spirits, you're doing beers. And so when we go from like a, a wine or, or a spirit to a beer, do we have to totally you know, clean the lab and change everything? Or do we kind of keep separate areas of the lab for that? Um, so we have different equipment that runs all of the, diff- the various, the various um, samples that come in. So some of our equipment can run both beer, wine, spirits, all of it. Um, and I, I think actually most of our equipment is multi-use. Um, I think the only thing that we have that's specific to one type of um, sample that comes in is for our olive oil that we do. Other than that, all the equipment we have doubles in, you know, we can run, we can literally have a wine sample running and then right next door to it um, will be a beer sample and then it can be a spirit sample. And so the the equipment and the runtime and the the rinse time in between that's all set up is all automated and able to adjust and account for that. And are the prices the same whether I'm having you do some lab work with some wine or a spirit or beer or olive oil? Um, it depends. Sometimes with our, our spirits, particularly, like if you're going to get an alcohol on a spirit versus an alcohol on a wine, it's a little bit more for an alcohol on a spirit because of the high, because of how high the alcohol is. Sometimes we have to treat that sample a little bit differently, which then involves a little more man, manpower. So we have to increase the price for that. Whereas- That's why I would say for every mm-hmm. bottle of orange drink from Paso Wine, from Paso Wine Shine, that we're going to analyze, I want one bottle for us to enjoy in the laboratory. <laughs> That's what, that would be my rule. So we also keep extra samples, and they call it Mother's Little Cupboard is where we put them all. And I love that's it. That's where we put a lot of the very high, high-proof things. Nice. Because, <laughs> so I mean, I'm friends with Patrick and the, the guys yeah. over at Wineshine, and like, yeah. I know they're working on some crazy stuff. And some huh? of it, he, he gets this idea three years ago. He's like, you know, we're going to do this for the cor- you know, course of years, you know, this uh, Saxon barrel brandy they're doing or whatever. And then all this has got to find its way to you at some time right at some yes. place to usually to get the pretty numbers. early on yeah okay it, early yeah, on yeah a like, lot of and their... then they age it separately and then they just mm-hmm. kind of do it okay got it mm-hmm. now i know you guys are really which is so cool i'm so impressed by this you guys are really helping people outside the central coast i don't know how do you even do that because is it hard to get samples from them how do you go about doing that well we offer free shipping from all over the united states so that takes care of that um but re- word of mouth we have mostly been word of mouth and, you know, people move a lot in the wine industry and, and all these industries. And as they go from place to place, they have their favorite people that they want to work with. So they'll literally send you, let's say Napa wants to use you for something. You'll be like, hey, you know, a winery, send me this. I got your shipping. I'll cover it. We'll, and we'll, we'll take care of it and give you your numbers. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah, we give them a, we give them a, uh, a label to send to us and uh, to send, send the samples to us. If it's a juice or something that uh, 
has the potential to ferment once it gets warmer. We, right. You know, they pack it on ice. Um, oh, there you go. And so, or with cold pack or whatever they need to do. And then it, yeah, shows up at our door and they get their results. Usually people get their results from us within sometimes as little as 10 minutes to up to three hours or so. You depending drug on test, the test people? So. Do any drug tests? <laughs> COVID tests over there? Can no, I send yeah. you my... You, right. can buy, you can buy COVID tests at the pharmacy now. Yeah. <laughs> saying, I mean, a lab could do whatever you want, right? I we mean, do not do bodily fluids. You don't oh. do... Bo- Jeez, that was the magic word. That was the magic word. Yeah. Everybody pound their starts. Right, yeah. We're drinking champagne, so, aren't we? Champagne we it are. is. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Mm. All right. So um, what about smoke tank? That's something that's been a big issue in the last decade, probably forever in California. But it seems like in the past several years, it's something we deal with on a regular basis. So smoke tank requires extremely expensive instrumentation to do. So we ourselves do not have it, but we have partners that can do it along with. So we can send people to where the smoke tank needs to be. And if I have wine that I know is smoke tank and I need to, I need to talk to you about it. I mean, I really don't haven't dealt with this a lot. Uh, what's the first thing you're going to tell me? I'm going to ask you why you think you have smoke taint, and then I'll probably recommend a lab to go to. It smells like an oak pick barbecue. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't even bother analyzing it. <laughs> but but a lot of people, I imagine they're just trying to, because maybe they hear a neighbor is dealing with it, and they know their grapes are in close proximity, right? Or or I'm guessing also, maybe a little off about I imagine it's probably like cork taint, too, where it's, yeah. it's probably a scale. It's not necessarily black mm-hmm. or white. It could be like, eh, kind of smoke tainty. So smoke mm-hmm. taint is very interesting because your wine could be affected by the smoke molecules themselves. And a lot of the molecules that cause smoke taint are naturally found in the oak barrels. It's just like oak barrels uber, yeah. you know, and so it doesn't taste very good. It's just too much. So one of the problems is as the wine ages, those oak, comp- oak smoke taint po- compounds start to form. So you'll end up getting smoke taint way after you bottle your wine when you think you're good to go. So it's very scary yeah. for winemakers. There's a lot of money to be lost and a lot of very good wine to be lost. I do Ooh. know that a lot, there's a ton of research going on right now for ways to mitigate it early on in the process. Dr. Brenda Baker is here. It's the Cork Dorks. Also, we've got uh, Heather uh, Michaelonis, who is a longtime operations manager for Baker Wine and Grape Analysis. And the big news is that you are actually stepping down. I am stepping down. You are retiring? Down. Is this right or what? So, um, so the story is my husband moved to Wyoming. <laughs> wow. And this was a few years ago. So I, I was struggling <laughs> with what to do with my life. We've been going back and forth. How has that been? Um, tough. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I love him. For, he loves me. Is, your husband. But he What's loves, in Wyoming? His uh, other family? What's going on? No, he loves, uh, that he's a hunter and fisherman. Sure. And, there's only um, very few people out there. So he, where I'm a very people lover, he's a bit of a hermit. Yeah. So, and anybody who knows Tony Pratt, who's listening, will know that. <laughs> they will be <laughs> laughing like crazy right now. Yeah. But anyhow, so it took me a few years to get around to it. And I finally approached Heather last year and say, Heather, it's not fair for me to be gone so much and you running the lab. Why don't you consider just being the owner? And I'll be the one that kind of goes back and forth. So I'll be back and forth. Yeah. I plan on coming back for the next few harvests and stuff because that's the fun part. Is it? Is it? Oh, the har- yeah. And then so this is obviously a big, you talk to your husband. I mean, this mm-hmm. is big news. Yeah, it's very big news. Yeah, it's very exciting. And um, I'm super, there's part of it that's bittersweet because Brenda and I have spent every working day together for the last 15 years and we have a great working relationship. We have mm-hmm. a lot of fun together. Um, it's going to be sad to not have her there as much. 
but um, I know that she'll be back during harvest and, and we'll, I mean, we, she, she just came back from a couple of months being gone and we picked up right where we left off. And um, so, yeah, so it's, it's really good. And we have a great team also that works there with us of people and, and you've uh, been there a long time. I mean, yeah. I, I would imagine you weren't planning on going anywhere else. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I live uh, downtown Paso. So I either walk or ride my bike or occasionally I drive to work, but um, yeah, it's close to downtown and I love it. And um, it's a fun place. I know a lot of the customers I've been um, running it for quite some time now and kind of the way Brenda and I have operated over the last, I don't even know how many years, but we just, when one of us sees something that we want to change about the business, we talk about it with each other and yeah. either move forward or, or not. And so it's been, yeah, it's, so it's been, been really, really seamless. Cool. What a good so, working mm-hmm. relationship. And is it true you're changing it to Michael Onis and Alice Onis? No. Is that, you're not doing that? And Alice Onis? I don't get know. Some more, it's get kind some of a game over there. Yeah. But it does work. It does yeah. work. So, Heather, no. I see you've got a bunch of samples in front of you. What did you What did you guys bring for us to check out here? So we brought some juice and we brought some wine. Um, the juice is actually from um, samples that were picked yesterday from various vineyards in the in the region that cool. were brought into the lab. And so there's three different um, sweetness levels that we thought you guys might like to just see if you can tell the difference between ones okay. that are sweet and not not too sweet. So what are we? What, what is the goal once we taste these? I got a couple of empty, empty cups, Jeremy, and uh, is it to say, hey, we, we brought think, beakers. We think the beak, the the bricks are are this for someone who hasn't known. I mean, that's probably the one word. And Jeremy was kind of saying earlier, you know, like the weekend warriors. They they may not hear like you know volatile acidity all the time, even though they may run by winemakers that talk about TA and VA. But bricks is something that you hear. Even your tasting room educator will mention this at times. And let's break that down to what that means with uh, as as far as it relates to sugar. Oh. So here I'm back. So bricks is basically a density major because grape juice is pretty much all soluble sugar um, is sugar dissolved in water. So it's a density measurement that's pretty close to what the actual sugar concentration is. So typically you're going to start, people start picking a little bit low around 18 if they're trying to get sparkling wines and it goes uh, up to 24, which I mean, if you want to do averages, that would be like 24% sugar. Because it's grams per 100 mils. So you can think of a percentage. And then a super sweet grape juice would be something like 30 bricks or 30% sugar. And you don't want that one unless you're trying to do a That's going to be too sweet. That's going to be too, I mean, too, too much, right? So these, those, um, yeah, so that's where you start to make your alcohols. Oh, okay. So, so the more got, sugar you have, the higher the alcohol you're going to get. So we got three little beakers here. Tell us what... Are we supposed to guess, or what's the deal? Yeah, I, I mean, I can smell this is really young, fresh fruit. I mean, I'm not right? even going with that. We were just going to see if you wanted to guess the bricks. Anywhere, <laughs> by, tasting okay. it? by tasting it, anywhere <clears throat> okay. from 18 to 30. Oh gosh, I have no. So the, you have the first you can, one in there, right? Or if you can even just see what order they go in. Yeah, maybe which you can one order is them the up. sweetest, which one is not. That was interesting. Okay, so there's one that's kind of like pale white. One's a little bit more white. We're going to be dumping this into the. Oh wow, that that um, that's was that Chardonnay right there? That second white one? I don't even know. We oh, okay. uh, we made we only did these based on sugar. I know mm. you're not used to doing this, huh? No. This is science. I so think the one's, first one was yeah. really sweet. The last one was very tart, which I really loved. Okay, the red one? The, no, no, no. The uh, the other. Uh, I think the very first one was like 24 bricks. And was that the light yellow? That was the light yellow one. The light yellow is 
19 bricks. 19 bricks. That's crazy because I was going to say 18 before. <laughs> and I, and I, I ramped it up. Oh, sorry. He's running your mouth. Second one. <laughs> right, second one, which is the darker one, I want to say is, I want to say that's 20, 23 bricks. Jeremy? I'll, I'll go 21. It's 26. Oh, okay, okay, good. Wow. And then the red one I felt was less sweet. I'll say that's 22. Mm. Jeremy? <laughs> I'm going to go higher. It's 17 and a half. Wow. 17 and a half. Okay, you guys can't come work for us. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all tasted so sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. That so, red okay. one really so, felt like it was a, a lot lower. How do we taste bricks then? Because so obviously we did it, it wrong. It's sugar. It's sweetness. Yeah. It is sweetness. Yeah. It is so sweetness. now you have an idea of how difficult it is for a winemaker to go out in the fields and taste the grapes. You've heard about them going out and tasting the grapes sure. and deciding when they have enough sugar to pick. And that, it's not easy to do. So it's nice to have machines to back that you up. Know, I don't like sweets. I'm not a dessert person. I'm more of a savory person. I think that's my problem. Yeah, but I, I can do this. Yeah, I mean, for a little teeny sip, you, yeah. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's interesting because to me, it's almost like when it's. 85 outside or it's 98 or 110 once it's like 98 it, it could be really really hot to me it's just freaking hot so when it's really really sweet i feel like it gets a little bit more muddied at least in my perception uh perception now let me ask you both are, are you with you obviously you're, you're great minds you're great at chemistry and math and science and all the things that i am not to be able to work in a lab successfully but how are your palates uh, and is this something that can get better with your lab knowledge or is it just kind of you got what you got like i've always felt like my, my palate's my palate i'm not that pleased with it but it is what it is i never developed a palate okay but i never i never worked at it also um we have sherry holzer in our lab who's a professional lab judge yeah she has a fantastic palate mm -hmm. because she's been trained over the years and she drinks a lot of wine Heather, how's your palate? Uh, so my palate's not, I, I, um, I always say I can tell you what I like and what I don't like. Sure. And that's, that's good enough for me. Um, I don't do any, uh, sensory tasting or testing for that matter. I've done, I've taken some courses through the years. I've gone and done tastings with like Ian Adamo and nice. some other people and, and, um, and tried, you know, their different methods for, being able to assess these things and it just never it never sticks for me i'd rather just have a glass of wine and well, enjoy it so. i think the thing is that you know we picked up because when we started doing this we didn't really know anything about wine mm -hmm. you got to drink a lot of wine it took years mm -hmm. before some of this started to click but i mean mm -hmm. we drink and we we do the show every day so it's like we you know we're drinking wine every single day and finally i remember one day i'm like wait a second and it's kind of a it just kind of hits you, and it kind of it's kind of cool. But yeah, it takes a lot of wine, and mm -hmm. everybody we've talked to said if you really want to, you know, appreciate and understand wine, you have to drink a lot of it or taste mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. taste a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I would think about a laboratory and some of the coolest. It looks so cool. I mean, you walk into a laboratory, you're like, oh my gosh, the person who works in here is, you know, must be so smart. What are some of the things, the toys that you got there? I know you got this one thing. I feel like I walk in a lab and I see that one, like really thin glass and it's like a spiral of glass and it just looks like whoever has that you're in charge of that you must be so smart what the hell is that so that's a cash still and you use that for distilling or for measuring volatile acidity which yeah. is basically vinegar you don't want your wine to take you this levels of vinegar in mm -hmm. your wine 
Um, we don't use it because it's old school. We have much more sophisticated instruments. <laughs> but you still have one just to look cool, right? We do. We yeah. have, <laughs> that's like basic chemistry 101 type stuff, right? Um, probably more like organic chemistry. So yeah. it's not, not so basic. Oh, okay. But where do you, I mean. I feel like we see them a lot. Yeah. I mean, like. Yeah. So if a winery is coming up and they obviously have these needs, is do you have some people like, yeah, yeah, kind of yearn for a little bit of my own little lab situation. I know I can't do anything, so I use Baker. Or do you, I mean, or literally you could just do everything that they need. They don't even need a lab at all. Correct. Yeah, they don't, they can bring everything to us if they want. Um, and we we are very friendly in there, and we answer a lot of questions, especially for people that are just starting. Yeah. Um, and we uh, spend a lot of time helping them with that if they don't understand what the numbers mean or the different units that are there. Um, if they have also tested it at home and um, it looks different uh, to them, we can talk to them about why it might look different. So, um, is it constantly educating people? It's almost kind of a pain in the ass sometimes to an extent. And we were talking about it earlier about how I was asking Brenda if she misses teaching at all because that's what she thought she was going to be was a professor. And you know, and she said, Well, I get to teach so much in the lab because there, it, whether it's teaching through the uh, us when we acquire new equipment and how it works, um, and having a ba- basic understanding of that and explaining that to everybody that's working with the equipment or with it's if it's with our customers. And helping them to understand what they have going on. So, mm. so. That's so interesting. What's the most expensive piece of equipment? Jeremy mentioned the FOSS. We heard mm. doing a show years and years ago, and these things are like, you know, five figures easy. I mean, they're, they're expenses, expensive pieces of equipment, right? Mm-hmm. I think most of our equipment is five figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the wine scan's the most expensive. I, I think, think so. Yeah. yeah. What's that? What's the wine scan do? It's a FOSS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, took yeah. a little drop of whatever. Is that what it is? You put a little drop in um, a little hole. What is it? No, the one you're talking about is the shoebox fox. Yeah. Fox. Foss. Yeah. <laughs> shoebox foss. But what we have is a machine that's about as big as your desk, and it actually has a pump that draws sample and, and sends it through. Wow. And what do we get from that sample? What are we reading? What, what, what is the... So it works by FTIR. So it looks at wavelengths of all the different molecules. And it. what's really nice is within a minute, I think, per sample, maybe mm-hmm. less, we get the big picture of... What's alcohol, VA, pH, T, all those things that people are going, what's all that stuff in? But it's really wonderful as a chemist because as we see the big picture, a lot of times we can troubleshoot this wine right away. Oh, my gosh, it has this, this, and that. And and then we know how to um, do some secondary testing to confirm that. So if it's a single vineyard wine that you're testing, it tells you a lot about the vineyard as well and kind of what's going on in the soils and kind of what's happening on that end of it, I would imagine, as well? From the juice point, yeah. we see more about the what the, the health of the soil through the juice, not so much in the wine anymore. Yeah, So fascinating. So will people pay you based on just every wine they send you, or do I kind of like hold you as like a retainer, almost like a lawyer, like I'll pay you the X, month, <laughs> X amount a month and you just do work for me during these pivotal times? Or how do, how do you price, how have you figured out over the years is, best fair to you and fair to a winery to to arrange this relationship i base most of it off of the equipment that we have how much you paid what the payoff on the equipment's going to be and the labor involved mm. heather she's going to be the new owner maybe she'll do a subscription service you know, what do you think are you going to change the way the system <laughs> no, goes no i'll keep the same pricing the way it is i like it. it's a nice easy setup um people pay for what they ask for and um it's each time they each time they come in, they know how much they're going to spend, and if they need to cut back on expenses, they can easily without canceling a subscription or anything like that. So, 
Um, so yeah, so they pay per per item that they want from us. Are there any like special clients where you're like, okay, I do everything for them? I mean, just like, look, g- give me you know two hundred fifty a month or whatever. Is that or whatever? Nope. It's you're nope. right. I would say yeah. all of our clients are special. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. She's got the answers, Doctor Baker. Is, wow. is this a pricey thing to do for a winery? It adds up really, really quick. Um, it's definitely depending on the the volume that they're doing with us. It um, it is more cost effective to use us than to have their own lab equipment and have to keep everything um, calibrated and keep the solutions all current. You know, because all these, all, no matter what type of equipment you're using, there's some solution involved. It's all going to expire at some point. Mm. We have a lot of throughput because we see a lot of samples every single day. So we always run out of our reagents before, well before they're expired. I get it. So, um, so from that perspective, it's almost always more cost effective for them to use us than to have their own, unless they're big enough that they have the throughput to to do that. So, and if I bring a wine in and it's kind of screwed up, and you're like, okay, well, this is what you need to do to fix it. I mean, is that the end goal? Is that is that the point of using you guys? We don't often do that. That's more of a consulting side. Um, there are some times where people will ask, what is this and what, what happened? What can I do? We might offer some ideas, but at the end of the day, we want the winemakers to be the winemakers and not, uh, you know, we're the, we're the chemists doing the analysis. We don't want to be making the decisions for how to make their wine. Yeah, so in other words, when you give them the report, they should be able to figure out what to do or they shouldn't be making wine. <laughs> That's not true, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. especially when they're starting, we help a lot. Yeah. We do a lot of interpretation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if what if someone's a big winery, they have their own lab. Do, you, do some of these folks still find a reason to use mm-hmm. you a second opinion? Mm-hmm. And why would they? Yep. Yeah. If one of their pieces of equipment goes down oh, or yeah. if they lose a staff member or somebody's out on leave for some reason, um, they bring stuff to us. If they want to double check things, they'll bring it to us um, as well. All right, before we get into those other tastes or those other samples, what is the most expensive piece of equipment that each of you has has broken? (laughs) I don't think I broke anything. Really? You broke that piece on the um, Astoria this summer. But that was just a piece. Isn't that funny how somebody else always remembers? Yeah, yeah. 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 I never broke it so that we had to get a new one. Yeah, not a whole new. Yeah, we've broken pieces. Pieces of, yeah. What about you, Heather? Probably the same. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think I broke a pH electrode, Mm-mm. but that was you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know people that did, and um, really never spilt anything into something. Like I've, I don't. I know. I spilled wine into the board. Spilled, yeah, like, they almost blew well, up these our, boards. Yeah, our keyboards end up with a lot of juice on them, so I yeah. just have a bunch of spare keyboards upstairs. That's like the one thing you get bullied new. for in their lab. Well, you just broke a pH electrode. <laughs> 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 That's so funny. So, what are those other three samples that you brought in? So these ones have different uh, pH values. So, and I think should we just let them see what they I think are? You and see what they are. yeah, okay. you can pour them in yourself. Because you're not and professional then... chemist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. You know, chemistry was. Uh, yeah, I did geology. I mean, so it's written on there I what the different chemistry. pH is. So it's basically it's a white. It's a base white wine. Uh, nothing. Nothing special. I mean, to the eye, it just look. They all look the same. They're all they gonna look the same. same. They, yep. they are the same. Okay. It's the same exact wine that just has. Different pH levels. So one is three, one is 3.45, and one is four. Yep. And what are we supposed to do? Oh. Taste this? Taste yeah. them? Yeah. They're fine to taste. Oh, okay. So and you will, um, well, let me ask you this. I mean, we're not palate people here, but what do you notice more cups over there? when underneath here? What do you notice when a pH is, is different between, say, three, five, and, and four? So pH is acidity. So I would expect when you're drinking the one that's pH 3, you're going to have like squeaky teeth 
and you'll really feel the acid on the side of your yeah, tongue. Yeah, that's, that's three. That's the low one. That's the low one. Right. And then the middle one is just for perspective. And the high pH, which is around four, you're going to feel more of a flatness to it. It doesn't have any life to it. My teeth feel great. <laughs> it does, you, you say about what you're going to feel? You go to the dentist and you yeah. get, you know, yeah. they scrape on them. What are you going to feel with the four again? The fours tend to be a flatter, like no life to them. You right. You feel that. Oh, you feel it. Okay. I totally feel the difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally I feel a little that's really interesting. Isn't it fanta- fa- so, fascinating? So we're really talking about a pH level from three to four and how just three different wines in that parameter can taste very, very different. So I imagine 3.1, 3.2, you're still getting a relative, you know, huge amount of discernible difference. So this is why, you know, the white wines tend to have a nice low pH because they want that crispness, that acidy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, apple green apple kind of crispness. Where some of the big red wines, you want something a little bit more mellow. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want a lot of acid. So those tend to be a lot higher pH. That's and it is a common an yeah. acid adjustment is a com is commonly done to wine. Um, so this this wine may not have come out of the vineyard with a three I don't even know what it starts at for it this particular at, one. This one came as three four five. Yeah, and so it might not when it, once it was a finished wine, it may not be that, and the winemaker might want to adjust it either. How do we lower the pH down. then? What do we add to it? So there's a couple, usually most people add tartaric acid okay. to lower the pH, and they add potassium bicarbonate or potassium carbonate to bring it to up. raise it up. Yeah. And you find a lot of people, what's like the percentage of the pie that people just, the natural acidity of the wine is just right where they wanted it to be? I mean, I don't know. Is it like at least half or not even? I couldn't even venture a guess. Yeah. It depends also on the year. Well, do you have a lot of people? Oh, so it does depend on vintage a little oh, bit. Oh, absolutely. So maybe there's a vintage where someone's like, man, I'm getting a ton of calls. Our phone's ringing off the hook with people trying to, you know, raise the acid in some of these wines or maybe vice versa. Well, especially like the very hot, when there's hot, hot days right at the very end of when the grapes are maturing, the acidity levels just plummet. So, you know, if you have those really hot days during harvest, there'll probably be a lot of people doing acid adjustments then. Wow. Very fascinating stuff. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing all this with us. Yeah. We don't always know what people have done to their wines, so they might bring something into us and we have no idea if they've done an acid adjustment or if they haven't. Um, And it doesn't really matter to us either. Because you're just Um, analyzing. We're just analyzing it and giving them to see if, you know, and and so sometimes we can tell if we see them coming in the morning and then we see them coming later in the afternoon, but we don't always all work the same time either. And um, so, yeah, so it's, it's some of the behind the scenes stuff of how, how often are people changing the pH? We don't, we don't always know. Are you guys like hot, certain times of the year or is it kind of like hey adam any time of year we're we're busy we're we're doing a lot of work or <laughs> maybe right now because harvest is coming up we're heating up or what i was going to make a remark about when our ac goes down but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't go down this year which is Amen. yeah which is nice so uh we have different uh times obviously harvest is a busy time we have a lot of uh quantity coming in the juice for us um, with our equipment is a lot easier to deal with because uh, co- so com- in comparison to fermenting samples or just finished fermented samples, um, those are obviously they're bubbly, uh, they're messy, they're they're kind of difficult to deal with. And we have to get them through our little tiny hoses on our equipment that can be sensitive to bubbles. So we have some processes that we have to do for the fermenting or fermented, just fermented uh Samples that come in. So our busiest time quantity wise usually tends to start to pick up in 
August, September, October. Um, and then for us behind the scenes, it gets really busy and technical November, December, and sometimes even into January. Uh, so we stay and, and through actually through February, um, while people are following their secondary fermentations, then it starts to slack off a little bit come March, April. We, we used to actually have technically a slow season and we, we kind of don't. I mean, there was one summer where I ran the lab by myself for, I think it was 10 days it was my first or second year or something being there. And, um, and that's not even a possibility for one person to do it anymore wow. at this point. So, and that was, well, it was probably 13 or 14 years ago. So, um, one of the other things we do that keep us busy throughout the year is we're all, um, TTB certified, which means that we can do the analysis for wine that's going overseas. Oh, every country has its own requirements. And so we're a lot, we are, um, certified to do that. So we do a lot of export wines during the off season. So people will say, Hey, I'm sending this to France. I need you to China. tell me what the ABV mm-hmm. is. A lot to China. Yeah. More a like a China, China high, right? A lot yeah. To China. Wow. You guys do water. I've always wanted to like test different waters. <laughs> no water is so regulated. We run away from water. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You can't even get certain. Like I've always wanted to know like the ins and outs of like if Aquafina is better than, you know, life water or Dasani. <laughs> you know what or, though, Adam, you can go- buy kits online. And you can do your own water analysis. And really? Use, oh, sure. It's I bet not, you it's all the same. I bet you there's the regulations are pretty much all the same for the U.S. Well, so, it's something's about it. It tastes different. You know, like Aquafina. I know you are different big on this. Than, to me, I, I don't really notice it. Maybe that's why you do better on the uh, on the uh, pH or the, uh, mm-hmm. the the bricks test. But yeah, I uh, I mean, I guess I know what you're. I guess I know what you're saying. So I just drink Kirkland water, so yeah, <laughs> I'm used to that. So it's probably not Kirkland water is pretty good. It's all right. It's all right. So I like t- Fiji water. Twenty I mean, years that's being imported, right? Yeah. Well, Fiji water is uh, yeah from the but that's the the Justin people. That's the wonderful people that oh, own that. The wonderfuls, yes. yeah. So wonderful. the wonderfuls. Uh, twenty years. You guys are celebrating your twentieth harvest. Congratulations. Yeah, that is so cool. We have Dr. Brenda Baker here. She is the founder of Baker Wine and Grape Analysis. Also here, Heather Michaelonis, who is the longtime ops manager, who is going to be taking over for Brenda. When does that transition happen? And what? Are you excited? Are you sad? Are you like, I can't come quick enough or what? All of the above. Yeah. No, <laughs> no it's official in January 2022. So we'll make a nice, clean end of the yeah. year break. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be spending more time in Wyoming with your husband? I plan on spending the springs and summers, and I'll be here falls you, and winters. You got a cabin out there? What's big lodge? What's we, got a little, we got a little house. Yeah, a house. Cool. Nice. With Good a pond. You. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's been great to meet you guys. This has been pretty fascinating. I well, hope you enjoyed this. We tried to bring some fun things. This was oh, really was. fun. No, the conversation was great. I just hope that if someone's listening and, and whether they're in the the game producing from olive oil to spirits to whatever. I mean, really give you guys a call and see what you guys can do for them. Because I think having, you know, you know, smart women like you guys behind a brand. I mean, you guys are really the unsung heroes of a lot of brands. And I know that, you know, I feel does uh, Desperado use you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I remember I made my wine there in 18 Okay, yeah. and you guys tested some of my stuff and oh, we, we should have brought some of that in. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I only want to know. Oh, but you Not guys were instrumental. You guys were instrumental. We in, turned uh, it into this. Yeah, the right. Montito. <laughs> the Montito needs work. Yeah, see, like the little did I, you know, the Montito actually has some of the Baker wine and grape analysis love and acumen behind it. It's so cool what you guys are doing for all these different brands. And kudos to you for getting in to when you did. And I'm surprised. I mean, maybe there's a couple other competitors, but I mean, you guys are 
You guys are like the JNL. You know how like JNL for distribution like mm-hmm. just saturates the Central Coast. I feel like every every name I hear is yours. Oh. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, cheers. Thanks for bringing in. Oh, cheers. Bark. Cheers. Yeah. Oh. Champagne. What's the website, guys? BWGA.net. BWGA.net. Cheers, ladies. Baker wine and sauce. Happy harvest. All right. Thank you. Oh, no. Another glass. At least it didn't shatter. Down. It just means one more you don't have to wash. <laughs>